So I wanted to do um, I wanted to do something uh, a little different tonight than how I normally do things or or how we normally do things. I, there's there's material that I've wanted to talk about, but I haven't. There's no like normal context or venue that makes sense to do it other than this because this is kind of like a you know no holds barred freebie do whatever you want setting so that's what we're going to do tonight so if you have a bible or a phone we're going to look at a couple passages or a couple of sections of um first corinthians chapter 15 and to set up what we're going to look at uh probably one of the world's top new testament scholars is this guy named nt wright and he was recently speaking at this uh conference and afterward, they did like the Q&A section, session with him. And somebody asked him this question. They said, what, what would be the one thing that, if it were disproven, it would make you disbelieve in Christianity? Like, like you take the whole system of thinking and believing of the world of Christianity. What's the one thing that, um, if this got disproven, it would make you walk away. And without hesitation, he said the resurrection. He said, if somebody, if somebody was able to convince me that the resurrection didn't actually happen, uh, I'd throw in the towel and would have nothing to do with Christianity. And if you, as I'm about to show you, he actually got that logic from this passage we're about to look at in 1 Corinthians 15, that if the resurrection didn't happen, uh, then I mean, it's such a big deal in the Bible. If the resurrection didn't happen, then th- what we're doing right now is stupid. It's pointless. Let, let me show you uh, just a couple little snippets. First uh, Corinthians 15, verse 12. This is Paul. He says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And then here's the the verse, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then what I do for a living is pointless. And if you're a Christian, your faith is pointless. It says a similar thing in verse 17. It says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. Did I say verse 17? We're in verse 17 now. We're going to jump. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If Christ was not raised from the dead, then Christians should, we should be the most pitied, pitiable group of people. I remember when I was in um, college, I was a young Christian. I became a Christian the summer after my sophomore year of high school. So I guess this was the summer after my freshman year of college. So I've been a Christian three years to do the math. And uh, I remember there was this older college buddy of mine. And I remember, I vividly remember this conversation. I asked him, I said, what, what if you get to the end of your life and you find out that none of this was true? What if you find out, or what if you die and you find out there is no God, all of this is just kind of made up stuff? And I remember his answer. His answer was, well, a life 
lived in faith and in hope and love, that, that's a good life. That's a noble life to be lived. Meaning, if you live a loving, faithful, hopeful life in Jesus and it finds out Jesus wasn't real, it's still a, it's still a good life. It's still a worthy life. But that's, that's not the logic of the Bible. The Bible is, if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then what we're doing is pointless. Like, believing, going to Bible studies, what I'm doing right now, what we're doing. Like we, In fact, let's go on, look at verse 32. Verse 32, in the middle of verse 32, he says, If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. He's saying, if the resurrection didn't happen, my translation, then let's just get some vodka and donuts, because this is it. This is like all we got. So, YOLO is true, you only live once, so you've got to buy the yacht, drink your brains out, because this is it. You're going to die, and that's it. But, verse 20, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. So, what I want, what I, what I want to do to night, this, again, this is going to be different, this is going to be weird, I want you to see um, that the Bible claims that Jesus physically, bodily, historically, actually rose from the dead. Not just metaphorically, there are some kind of Christian traditions that say, yeah, that, the resurrection is kind of weird, let's just say that he kind of metaphor, he spiritually kind of came back. But the Bible says no, like he actually physically did. And so, um, I don't know about you, though. I have never seen anybody raised from the dead. And 100% of the people that I've interacted with have died, or will die. And, (laughs) (laughs) And, um... So it's a pretty crazy claim to say, here's this human being that was raised from the dead. Like, how can any logical college-educated person say that and not sound ridiculous? Well, what I want to... This is what's going to be weird. What I want to do tonight is um, try, to, uh, try to defend that claim for just a little bit. I'm going to go on the defense and then go on the offense. First, I'm going to defend some theories that people have kind of um, put forward to explain how do we get away from this idea of the resurrection, and then I'm going to go on the offense and present some kind of positive reasons for why I think you, you, like this, is a, this is a rational, good thing that you should believe. So let's go on the defense first. You with me? Defense first. There are three big, um, three big, sto- three big theories that people have uh, put forward, that scholars have put forward to get away, to make the resurrection kind of go away. And the, the first kind of scholarly idea is um, called the conspiracy theory. And it goes a little bit like this. The disciples who are with Jesus, they follow Jesus, Jesus dies on the cross, and they get together and they're like, well, that did not go according to plan. We're kind of screwed here. We don't have a leader. There's, there's no... Uh, there's nothing we can do, but we can save this. We can keep this movement going. We've got we've got we got a couple followers. Jesus has stirred up some kind of publicity for us. So why don't we, in the middle of the night, go and we'll take his take Jesus's body out of the grave and we'll hide it and then we'll tell everybody that he was raised from the dead that he he was actually the Son of God. And so that's kind of the theory that the disciples kind of made up the story. 
Here's why I don't think that works. A couple of reasons. Number one, uh, the tomb in which Jesus was buried in was guarded by Roman soldiers, which means that these disciples would have had to have fought off Roman soldiers and then roll back a big boulder in order to get Jesus' body out, which, one, they couldn't have fought off Roman soldiers to begin with. And even if they did, too many people would have known that they did this. So like their deception of trying to secretly cover it up would have been known too many witnesses. The other problem with this is that most of the disciples were brutally martyred for their faith. Like brutally martyred, like murdered and martyred. Many people die believing something to be true when it might not actually be, but, but I don't know of anybody that would die for something that they knowingly <coughs> made up. So, for example, let's just say that I developed a religion called Howellism, and this is, the, this is the first meeting of my cult called Howellism, and you're all supposed to worship me and bow down before me as your creator. It's got weird. And... Um, <laughs> Let's just say that you bought it, and you believed it, and you were into it, and you're like, yes, this is the one. And I die, and you're like, well, that, okay, so maybe he wasn't telling the truth. Maybe he's not actually God incarnate. But what if we tell everybody he raised from the dead? And let's say y'all do that. You're like, you keep the move, you keep the Howlism movement going. Y'all are the Howlists. But if the government came to you and said, did Matt Howell actually rise from the dead? And if you say yes, we're going to saw off your head and murder your family. My guess is at that point, you're going to throw in the towel and say, okay, it was, it was stupid. Like, like nobody, is go, nobody is going to go that far in believing a lie that they made up. So that's why I don't think the conspiracy theory works. Option number two for... Well, how people explain the resurrection. Uh, it's the, uh, what you could call like the pass-out theory. That this is, this is saying um, Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. They, the, the Romans tortured him. They thought he was dead. He had passed out. He was barely breathing. They thought he was dead. I mean, after all, they're not like medical professionals. And they pull him down from the cross and they put him in the tomb and hours later, he kind of like comes to and he gets revived and he goes to his disciples and they're like, oh my gosh, risen Lord. So they were believing something that wasn't actually true and then they told everybody. And that's kind of why the Bible says Jesus rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. Here's why I don't think that theory works. Number one, problem number one is uh, this assumes that Romans don't know how to kill people. Which that's like all Romans did was just like kill people. They're like murder experts. All they do is kill, kill, kill no matter what. <laughs> the song? You got it? Ellie got it. So it's just kind of ridiculous to think like that they would, they would not know a real dead person when they saw it. The other problem is uh, there's no way that Jesus could have actually survived this. He was beaten to a pulp before they even put him on a cross. And when you're on a cross, you're actually dying by suffocation. You're suffocating for hours and hours and hours. So much so that afterward, remember they took the spear and they speared his heart with it and all this stuff kind of flowed out of his body. So to think, this wasn't like, you know, you get punched and you get knocked out and then you kind of come to. This is a long, enduring, torturous, brutal execution that they knew what they were doing. The other problem is, if Jesus 
didn't actually die on the cross, but went to the tomb. He had to have been bloodied to death. I mean, hanging on to life by a thread. And to think he comes awake, he's able to roll back the stone that was guarding the tomb and then fight off or move past all the Roman soldiers and then just barely hanging on to life, show up before the disciples and they fall down and worship him as the risen Messiah, king of the universe. I mean, he had to have been hanging on by a thread. But also... If that's what they thought, he let them believe alive then at that point. It's like they had this idea, oh my gosh, you rose from the dead. And then at that point, Jesus, according to the story, would have had to have been like, yeah, that's what happened. That's a good idea. So he's, he's, he's um, uh, for, for a person who lived a life of such moral integrity and truthfulness and honesty to have such a, a deceptive switch at the end. I don't, the whole story doesn't fit, doesn't make sense. So, that's number two. The last theory that I'll say, that I will look at, of how people kind of explain the resurrection, we've got we to gotta explain this, make it go away, is the wrong tomb theory. And this theory goes, well, it was very early in the morning. The first people that came to the tomb to find that it was empty uh, were some of his women followers, and it was early in the morning, and they get there, and they went to, they went to the wrong tomb. So they show up at the tomb where they think he's buried in, and they see that it's empty, and then they're like, oh my gosh, he's, raised, he's been raised from the dead. And then that's how kind of the lie of the resurrection kind of carries on. And here's why I don't think that works either, is it, even though, yes, the women first went and saw it early in the morning, the Bible says they went back and got the disciples, and then they went and... By this point, it's daylight, which means they would have had to, in daylight, in a public tomb, go to the same wrong tomb, which doesn't make any sense. But also, when they're going around and telling everybody, Jesus is raised from the dead, Jesus is raised from the dead, oh my gosh, and it's creating all of this you know, con- uh, confusion and creating this kind of scene, all the Romans had, would have had to have done to make this whole Christian thing go away is just be like, He's actually in this tomb, and roll it back and like show everybody. So none of these uh, explanations, um, none of these, what are these three popular explanations that try to deny the truthfulness of the resurrection? I don't think work. I don't think make a lot of sense. But that doesn't necessarily explain that, that the resurrection is true. So let me, let's go on the offense now. This is the defense. Now we're on the offense, and let me let me give you three reasons for why, positive reasons for why I think you can and should believe that this actually happened. And accordingly, if this happened, then this really should kind of change everything. So here's um, reason number one for why you should believe in the resurrection. Number one, the women. The women. The Bible says in all, all of the four gospel accounts that women were the first people to discover the empty tomb. They're the first, person to, the first people to witness the resurrection. And this is important because in Jesus' day, wrongly, he, he, his culture uh, had such a low view of women that women could not even testify in court. Their testimony was deemed inadmissible, because they're unreliable witnesses. Women not allowed to testify, only men. 
horrible, awful, not defending it. Um, but here's why that's crazy. If, you're, if I'm making up a lie that Jesus rose from the dead, why would I put the most unreliable witnesses to be the ones that's, that, that I'm pointing to, to to support my case? So, for example, if, if I'm trying to make you believe something that is not true, let's say I said tonight, oh my gosh, did you know Taylor Swift is in Knoxville right now? She's at Oscar's Tacos at we, as we speak. Mm-hmm. You would ask a question, how do you know that? And I would point to, I would try to come up with a credible witness to make you believe it. And I would say, I just saw the Tennessee Theater just tweeted that they're going to do a surprise Taylor Swift concert tonight. So she's in town, so she must just be eating there. So what I'm doing is I'm pointing to a credible witness to strengthen my lie. What I wouldn't do is say, well, here's how I know Taylor Swift is in town. Two seven-year-olds from down the street told me. (laughs) Like, that would not convince you. And so my point being, if I'm, trying, if I'm making up a lie, if I'm writing down a story, there's this person that rose from the dead, I'm not going to put, as the witnesses, the most unreliable witnesses that were available in the culture. The only reason why women were the first people to witness the resurrection, the only explanation is, is because they were the first people to witness the resurrection. <laughs> So I think, that's a, I think that's an interesting little positive clue. Uh, here's a second positive reason for why I think you should believe in the resurrection is, is the, um, the dates, the dating. Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 20 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. 20 years. And I, I didn't read it, but um, if, you, if you saw it in front of you, in verse 6 of chapter 15, excuse me, the the meat and the beans, they're, they're coming up. Um, it, Paul says that Jesus appeared to over 500 people. And then he says, most of whom are still alive. And there's an it's implicit thing if he's saying, is that most, like, he appeared to all of these different people, they're still out there, you can go find them and you can go talk to them. This, the, the dating of this is really important because let's say in 20 years from now, I published a book about the great Knoxville riot of 2018. And I made this claim. I said, when Rich Jones was fired, there were riots downtown. They, they destroyed. There, there, was, there were SWAT teams that had to come in. People died. There was fire. People were smashing glasses. People were going crazy. All anyone would have to do 20 years from now is simply interview anyone that lived in Knoxville in the year 2018 and say, did that happen? And it would very overwhelmingly, that lie could kind of get squashed very quickly. Point being, if you're throwing out an enormous claim, somebody rose from the dead, the only reason why that got traction and didn't get squashed is because there were actual witnesses that saw it and said, yeah, I saw it. It could have very easily just been like, no, we were there. None of this happened. This is stupid. That's reason number two. Here's my last reason, and then I'm done. The origins of the Christian faith itself. Here's what I mean by that. All throughout the New Testament, the resurrection, like I said, it's just like it's bedrock, it's core, it's foundational to 
the Christian church. So much so, like, I, like we just read, if this didn't happen, this is all stupid and we should go home. It's so central to what these early Christians believe. But if you think about it, all of these early Christians, most of them were Jewish people. People that grew up with a Jewish way of looking at the world. And the way that Jewish people understood the resurrection is that they understood at the end of time there's going to be this general resurrection where everybody's going to be raised from the dead. But nowhere in their religious system of thinking was there... One, there was ever going to be a one random person, just one, that was just going to be raised from the dead in the middle of human history. That didn't make any sense in their religious worldview, much like it doesn't make sense to a lot of people's worldview. So the fact that these Jewish people started to believe something that didn't fit with their whole previous system of way of thinking about the world is pretty compelling. Not to mention, like I said before, the fact that most of all of Jesus' original disciples were brutally murdered, murdered, executed over their faith. That they, they, these were men that were, you know, poor fishermen or peasants or whatever, and they went from hiding in an upper room with Jesus executed, with the whole world looking for them. They're terrified, huddled in a corner. And some transformation happens where they're now boldly stepping out in front of masses of people, preaching the gospel. They're getting arrested. They're getting beaten. They're getting thrown in jail. They're getting tortured. And they won't stop talking about Jesus. How do you account for that sort of radical transformation? Terrified. We don't even understand Jesus. We don't even know what what following him actually meant. Going from that to I'm willing to... to, to die is, to say things like to live as Christ and to die is gain. That's pretty crazy. So, that is my bizarro, different sort of little spiel for y'all tonight. Obviously, this doesn't talk about, or I haven't talked about the um, meaning of the resurrection or the, the importance in terms of its place personally, spiritually, but I feel like there's all, there's, there's all this kind of academic, all these academic, all this work and questions surrounding this issue that if, if those questions don't get settled, or if, you, if you're not settled in your own heart over did this thing actually happen, then like, like Paul says, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then like your believing is in vain, we just need to go get drunk and eat a cake because this is like it. So, that's the end of my little spiel. Thank y'all for being gracious listeners. And I don't know how to end, so I guess I'll pray. (laughs) How about that? Uh, Father, thank you. Um, Thank you that you did, in fact, raise your son from the grave. And I pray that Um, some of what was shared tonight would encourage our own hearts and maybe even bolster our own confidence in you. And uh, I pray for those of us here tonight that don't know what we think about this stuff or are wrestling with deep questions about this stuff that uh, maybe something of what I shared was uh, compelling or uh, interesting or intriguing in some way to provoke uh, further study or investigation of these things. 
And Father, I do pray that you would help us to connect the dots of your son raising from the grave into our actual lives. That if, if Jesus has not been raised, then there's no point in us getting together. Um, and yet, if he has been raised, then this really changes everything. It changes the way that we uh, relate to every aspect of life. And so I pray that you'd help us to connect the dots of how the resurrection uh, has impact and implications for the way that we do our life and how we do our friendships and how we relate to money and uh, everything. Help us, we would pray, and we would pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.